0: We read, we're here, if you just want to listen, that's fine too, from God's Word, Hebrews chapter 3. I'll be reading verses 1 through 6, and we'll focus on part of verse 1, God's inspired Word. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to Him who appointed Him, as Moses also was faithful in all His house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast with confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this opportunity to look into it, and may you bless us with wisdom and knowledge that only come from you. pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, in this brief time now, as we look ahead to the Lord's table, I want to focus, as I said, on part of, the second half of verse 1. It's about ten words, I think, I'm going to cover, and eight points. They'll be brief, obviously. So going word by word, that phrase that begins with consider. And the title of this is Consider Christ. So, consider that as we consider this clause. The first word, uh, consider, Uh, That's written in the imperative. So, it's a command, a command to look, to notice, to inquire into. Uh, So, the facts that follow, what the author here is saying, must not be ignored. Indeed, they are ignored at great peril. Uh, Significantly, we see that the consideration, the noticing, the looking at, Jesus is the solution to the situation that the author presents. Now, that situation is both before and after this part of chapter 3, if we were to look at the context. So I ask you, do you wonder about the completeness of the Christian faith, the progress of our own sanctification, or the future trajectory of the church or of the kingdom of God, the efficacy of the atonement? These are all things that are worth wondering about, but when we consider them in light of Christ the answer comes of peace and of assurance. If any of that wavers, if any of our wondering, curiosity wavers. The solution is not to invent new mechanisms of religion, which too often verge on superstition. The solution, as God's Word here presents to us, is to consider Christ. We would all do well throughout the day, every day, like we're to rejoice always. We are to consider continually, to look at Christ more frequently And more deeply. So, all of us right now, we have the great privilege of considering, which is again to take notice of Jesus. Next word, the. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. This word, uh, we breeze by it so quickly. It comes up thousands of times in all our writing and conversation every day. Uh, It's the definite article. Uh, The Jesus we are commanded to consider is not simply an apostle, another priest of some religion, but it specifies he is not one among equals. He is the specific preeminent one. Indeed, there were many apostles, as we read about in the Scriptures. Uh, There were some uh, counters and historians will cite uh, to 80-some high priests uh, throughout the history of God's church, but here we read of the, the specific, the apostle. And high priest. It informs us that Jesus is unique, He is distinct, He is separate, He is one above and beyond all others. He is identifiable apart from the others who perform that function that was similar to and pointed towards Him and even bore those same titles that He bears. But indeed, there is no other like Him. Jesus is the apostle and high priest, so we consider Him the unique Apostle and high priest. So now coming to apostle. Literally, of course, you may be familiar with this, it means merely messenger, uh, one sent. In this, we see both that he has a message to deliver and he's the one sent to deliver it. Uh, In the economy of the triune God, the blessed Son is the one sent to bear our sins. He also brings to us the message variously labeled as the gospel or the gospel of the kingdom. An apostle of any sort is empty-handed, as it were, if that message is unimportant or untrue or unsure, yet upon due consideration, and that's what we're being called to here is to consider Christ, to consider who He is. So when we consider it rightly, Jesus' message is the exact opposite of all of that. It is vital. It is sure as sure can be because it bears multiple witnesses, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this is the apostle that we're called to consider. I'm going to skip over and, but come to the second noun there, high priest. The high priests of old were the ones who went into the temple to mediate between God and men. Uh, They wore splendid garments before and after, though interestingly not during their time in the Holy of Holies. Uh, This grand office, which as I said, over 80 specific individuals held throughout Israel's history, but and I can only allude to it now, much of the book of Hebrews is devoted to making the point that Jesus is the capstone above and beyond all the high priests that went before him. He is the sum and the end of all that the high priest's office meant. At its core, of course, the high priest made expiation for the sins of the people. And ultimately, it's not the blood of bulls and goats that takes away our guilt. It is the blood of the perfect lamb. So this is the high priest the apostle, the one unique one that we're called to consider. But coming back to the and that links together the apostle and the high priest, uh, this construction here has these two nouns put together, joined with the conjunction and, and uh, preceded by the definite article, the, that we already looked at, meaning that both nouns refer to the same person. Uh, This is often a a construction in grammar (laughs) that is used to enlighten our knowledge of the uh, deity of Christ throughout the New Testament. And as I was doing some reading a couple weeks ago, I realized and you might hear the term tossed out, the Granville Sharp rule. So that's the rule of grammar that pertains to the definite article preceding two nouns that are descriptive of. That actually applies to all languages. I thought it was just a Greek thing, but it's something apparently in all languages. So it's not just how it's translated into English, but this is inherent into how God has built languages. that, when you have the definite article and you have the two nouns, they together describe and specify the one person that they are referring to. Jesus is both, right? He is both the apostle. He is the preeminent high priest above and beyond all other messengers or priests throughout history. The Apostle Paul uh, proclaimed a message as an example of an apostle. Uh, he delivered good news, but it is Jesus who is the good news himself. Uh, to use theological language, he executes both the pro- prophetic office and the priestly office together. Six, looking at confession. I'm going to skip over those other little words. We'll come back to them in just a moment. Confession. Uh, the word used here literally means If you look at the uh, Greek parts, it's a uh, compound word. means to speak alike, which may be a little bit more helpful to think of as to agree. Uh, Usually when we think of confession, and we just had a time of confession a moment ago, we think of admitting our sins to God or calling upon a child to admit his misdeeds to his parents, right? So in that context, to confess is to admit the wrongdoing. And it might seem, well, how is that at all related to the confession? Like we think of the Westminster Confession of Faith. And I'll admit, I don't know if it's etymologically correct, but the way I sort that out in my brain is to say that when we're confessing our sins, we're coming into agreement with how God sees those wrong actions, right? We are confessing that His judgment is true, His assessment of our actions, in that case wrong, is true, which is similar to what we're doing when we read the confession of the faith. We are agreeing with that statement of doctrine that describes who God is and His ways, So, uh, our confession is to, as it is used here, refer to the set of facts that are agreed upon. We as Christians agree with who God says He is. So, we confess this Christ. Coming back now, though, to the words that precede the confession, uh, of our confession. So, we're called to consider the apostle and high priest of our, taking of first, And uh, if I didn't say it before, I'll say it now. I'm no expert grammarian, either in English or in Greek. And I remember when I moved into uh, attempting intermediate Greek, I realized how incomplete my study of basic Greek had been, kind of by necessity when you do the basics of any language. You're not covering all the details. But it was in looking at how English translates and often places into an English translation of the Greek, the word of, that I was like, you know, shake your mind, because I cannot how am I supposed to figure this out? So there's a lot of variety in how the Greek form here, and it's a genitive, uh, is to be translated into English, um, different forms of the genitive. But uh, to keep it simple, because... it's not really worth digging into at this point. But the point here is that this one, as I specified, there is one unique who is both the preeminent apostle and the archetypal high priest. He is to say, and that's the purpose of the word of, of here, the genitive, he is the focus, he is the foundation, he is the substance, he's the reference point of our confession. So we all take this for granted. Of course, you know, the Christian faith means nothing if it's not about Christ, right? That's where Christian comes from. Well, it may be so obvious that we skip over it sometimes. Uh, He is the basis of our faith. Without him, it is empty, it is null, it is void. As it's said elsewhere, we are without hope. So the agreed-upon facts of the Christian religion are meaningless if Jesus is not the end and the object. Last word to focus on here, our. So while it is important to know, and that is the you know, consumption of bare facts, and it's important to know that Jesus is the apostle and the high priest of the faith, what does it profit a man if those are just ideas? You know, assented to in a theoretical sense. Yes, I can read the words on the paper, and okay, I, I believe what you're saying, that kind of thing. To know it merely intellectually. Uh, What does it do, really, to profit a man if that is descriptive of others, if they really embrace and act upon those facts? The real significance of these truths lies in Jesus being the apostle and high priest of our faith, right? Because, of course, our, the first person plural, there's an I and there's a you together, The writer here of Hebrews knew that Jesus was the apostle and high priest of his own faith. He equally knew that his readers, being sincere Christians, knew Jesus to be the apostle and high priest of their faith. And taken together, he could accurately say that Jesus was the apostle and high priest of our confession. So may that be true of us. It does no good to come here week in and week out and think, Wow, the pastors up there are really godly. They have a a solid grasp and a living testimony of God's goodness. It does no good for children at home to think, wow, my parents are really godly people and they have a strong Christian faith. So may we, and by that I refer to every one of us, all the yous and me included, that collectively makes the us, the our, and the possessive, may we approach the table of the Lord knowing individually and then collectively, and being sure that he is our Lord, our Savior, Savior, the Apostle and High Priest of our confession. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I do thank you for uh, both the simplicity and the depth of your written word. We thank you for Christ Jesus, who is the sum and the total of your revelation uh, we read in John that if everything was written that he ever did and said, the books could not contain it. It is so vast, his goodness, his wisdom, his selflessness, his humility. And so here, just in one phrase, we have a gold mine. I pray that you would enlighten our minds to the knowledge of Christ and his word, and especially as we taste and eat of him this morning, that we would eat and drink deeply of your grace and mercy. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen.